Hello, and welcome to Church at the Bridge. Thank you for tuning in to our weekly sermon podcast. This is week six of our sermon series, Flying High. Today's message is titled, Enduring the Process of Time. We hope you enjoy the word. All right, buenos días. ¿Cómo se encuentran todos ustedes en este día? Oh, you guys thought we were playing about the whole Spanglish deal? Good morning, good morning. I like that. Gloria a Dios. Good morning. It's so good to meet you, to see you all here today. I'm Pastor Jose, the lead pastor here at Church at the Bridge, for those of you that don't know me. And today I am here to share some thoughts, and I believe it's a word from God for each and every one of us. How many of you know that we need direction from God? I pray that today your eyes are enlightened and that you truly see the truth in God's word. I believe that no one is here by accident. I believe that God wants to speak to your life today directly from his word. So you guys ready for that? Amen. Amen. I pray you you open your hearts, open your minds, open your ears. Amen. So over the last several weeks, we've been on a series entitled Flying High. And what we've been seeing is that God really does want us to soar in life. That you and I were created for a specific purpose and to live life with purpose on purpose. But what we've been seeing through the life of a man named Nehemiah is that God starts that process in our lives by giving us a vision. And whether you know it or not, maybe what you're lacking in life is vision from God. Maybe you've been kind of meandering and going through life trying to figure it out and you yes, you love the Lord and yes, you serve the Lord, but what you haven't gotten a hold of is God's vision for your life. It's a specific design. It's a specific call. It's a specific thing that God created you for. And that can't happen if you're not seeking it directly from God. Amen? And so today, uh, we're going to continue in this series. And uh, I want to talk to you today about enduring the process of time. Enduring the process of time. Uh, I usually kind of recap over the last several weeks. I'm not going to do that today because there's a lot that I feel the Lord wants to just kind of bear out in our lives today. But you can go on our website, ctbny.com. You can go on the app, listen to the the podcast. You can go on Facebook, watch it. You can, I mean, there's so many different ways that you can do that. So I want to encourage you to go ahead and do that if you haven't been in tune with the series or just want to kind of reiterate and and dig into what God has been speaking. But today I want to talk to you about enduring the process of time. Now, over the last several weeks, as we've been digging into the book of Nehemiah, what we've been seeing is that God called Nehemiah to something specific. The thing is that Nehemiah didn't know it at first. Nehemiah was stuck in a place called Babylon. And the way he got there was that this empire, Babylon, came and and they seized upon the people of Israel in Jerusalem. They destroyed the walls, they destroyed the temple, and they took the people captive. And so when we start reading the book of Nehemiah, what we find is that Nehemiah is serving in the palace. He's serving the king, and he's the king's cupbearer. I don't have time to get into that, but basically Nehemiah was in service to the king while all the people that were a remnant around the area and were captive, not not the ones that got away, but the ones that were captive in Babylon, these people had kind of settled in and they were working lands and they were just kind of just serving uh, the empire of Babylon and they kind of settled into life and they were stuck. 
it got so bad that there was no longer any worship unto God, that people were disunited, they were disheartened, and it was just utterly sad. There was destruction all around them, and nobody was doing anything about it. They lived in rubble. And in comes Nehemiah's brother Hanani in chapter 1, and he, he sees Nehemiah, and Nehemiah kind of asks him a question, what's going on in Jerusalem? Because you see, Nehemiah's in Babylon. And the Bible tells us that uh, Hanani says to him, haven't you heard? Jerusalem's completely destroyed. The walls are torn down. The people are disheartened. There's no worship unto God. And the Bible tells us that Nehemiah uh, has this moment where a vision from God begins to be birthed. And Nehemiah begins to see that there's a problem. And Nehemiah understands that God is calling him to do something about it. So he begins to pray and to seek God. And eventually, four months later, the opportunity presents itself and he finds himself before the king. And the king questions him, why are you so sad? And Nehemiah bears out his heart and he says, how could I not be sad? The walls of Jerusalem are torn down. The people are disheartened. And the king asks him, what do you want to do? His enemy asks him, what do you want to do? And God opens up a door and Nehemiah heads to Jerusalem with resources and he gathers the people and they begin to build these walls. So there was this process during the whole time. And I want to talk to you today, as I said, about enduring the process of time. Before you can get where God has called you to, it starts with a call, but there's a process in between. And the truth is this, that we all want to live a fulfilled life. How many of you want to live life on purpose? Wave at me. Come on. You can be proud about that. You want to do what God has for your life. You want to discover that and walk in it. You want to succeed in it. You want to prosper in it. See, everybody wants that life. But the truth is that not many of us want to walk the process to get there. No one likes the time that it takes in between. If we could be honest with ourselves, we want what we want, when we want it, how we want it right now. And I hate to burst your Bible, but that's not the way it works with God. As a matter of fact, here's a dose of truth for all of us. That's not how it works in life. It doesn't work. And so, you ever find yourself saying, I can't wait until I retire. <laughs> how about this one? I just want to finish the school. Right? How about this? I can't wait until my kids grow up. Parents, you can relate to that one, right? How about this one? I wish I could be done with this stage of my life. Chances are that everyone here, as a matter of fact, I know this to be true, that every one of us here has said something along these lines. And here's what it reveals. It reveals something that's inherent to us all. It's deep within us. We all want the end result, but we don't want the process to get there. We don't want the process to get there. And so Nehemiah knew some things about enduring the process of time. See, he had to face his own fears. I want to encourage you if, you, if you, if you've never read the book of Nehemiah, it's just 13 chapters, it will blow your mind. It will speak directly to your heart. Don't leave here going good sermon. Go back to the word of God and get a word from God for yourself. 
See what God is speaking to your life. But this guy, Nehemiah, had to face his own fears. That was part of the process. He had to move forward with a vision that was much bigger than himself and nobody else believed in. That was part of the process. He had to create, buy-in, and build a team from a group of people that had no resume of success and were weak. And that was part of the process. And he had to face the constant challenges and make continual adjustments along the way. See, that was all part of the process. And despite all this, Nehemiah endured. Let me just say this to you. You can endure. You can make it to where God has called you, but you've got to stick with the process. You've got to walk through the process. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. Stick with God's plan and purposes for your life. In Nehemiah chapter 6, we're going to look at just briefly a few things that Nehemiah knew while enduring the process. Nehemiah 6.16, this is kind of review because we've read this before. It says, when all our enemies heard about this, heard about what? That the walls have been built, that there was progress being made. It says, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized that the work that had been done, watch this, it had been done with the help of our God. When the walls of Jerusalem were finally built up, the surrounding nations, the scriptures tell us, uh, they trembled with fear. But watch why. They had heard previously how God had miraculously delivered them from the hand of another empire called Egypt. And so they knew that God was at work. They knew that God was helping them. Nehemiah endured because he knew who was backing him. Let me just say this to you, that the vision that God has for your life is a guarantee that you will succeed. But you have to know that God has done his part. You have to know that God is with you. You have to know that all that God will ever do to bring you through, he's done. We have to cooperate in the part of this process. Our part is to stick with the call that we are chosen. You know, the scripture says this, that many are called, but few are chosen. But I'll tell you why few are chosen, because few make the choice to walk through the process. I want to encourage you to make the choice to endure. I want to encourage you to make the choice to persevere. I want to encourage you to make the choice to continue in the things of God, to press in, not to back down. I want to encourage you to be here every weekend. I want to encourage you to continually, day by day, dig into the Word of God and lean in to what God is speaking to your life. It's part of enduring the process of time. But unfortunately, as we saw from the Scriptures... These people that Nehemiah went to, they struggled to understand this. You know, it's sad, and we'll touch on this a little bit later next week. What's sad about this story recorded through the life of Nehemiah is that according to the biblical history, these people went on to once again turn away from God and the call on their lives. They forgot who was with them. Let me encourage you with something. This is me putting on my pastor hat on. I really feel that there's an anointing upon what God is saying here. I really believe that God is speaking directly to our hearts. And I pray that you're listening. 
if you're in error, turn around. If you find yourself drifting away, turn around. I don't care how good it looks. I don't care how good it feels. Turn around and turn back to God. Turn back to God. If you just look at the history of the people of Israel, they ended in destruction, continually in ridicule, embarrassed, ashamed, settling for less, all because they turned away from God and they sought something, someone, somewhere else. Turn around. And don't make excuses. Turn around now. Right now. No matter what the cost is, turn around. Turn around. In Nehemiah chapter 7, verses 4 and 5, we see something else that Nehemiah knew. It says, now the city was large and spacious, but there were few people in it. Watch this. The, 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 the walls of Jerusalem are built up. The temple is being erected. But there were few people in it. And the houses had not yet been rebuilt. Verse 5, Nehemiah says, So my God put into my heart to assemble the nobles, the officials, and the common people for registration by families. I found the genealogical record of those who had been the first to return. This is, this is what I found written there. We'll just stop right there. We won't dig into that for the sake of time. But you think that with God on their side and the great accomplishments that the people of Israel had witnessed and made and seen that God made possible that these people would rally around this great project and they would return to Jerusalem. You know what they did? They went back to their towns. They went back to building for the empire of Babylon. They went back to their lands. See, the vision that God has for your life is a call to move forward. To move forward. Once you start pursuing what God has for your life, God is not calling you back to where you came from. He's calling you to move forward. Forward. I remember when God called us to start Church at the Bridge. As many of you know that have been here for a while, maybe you don't know, whether you're here, you're watching online. God called us to leave a very successful seven and a half years in ministry. Everything worked well. And when God called us to leave, I won't deny that there was a part of me that said, I don't want to go. And when we left, I kept looking back. I kept longing and wanting to be around all the people that we had grown in relationship with. I kept wanting to, to be amongst those families and amongst those kids and doing all those things. But I knew this very quickly, that to look backwards would stunt what God was doing ahead of me. I share that with you because Nehemiah knew that God called him to move forward, and so he pressed forward no matter what the cost was. He dared not look back. The thing about it is this, that that's not comfortable, and it's not popular amongst many people. But I will tell you this, that God has not called you to a popularity contest, and God has not called you to be comfortable. God has called you to move forward. 
And I'm telling you right now that God is speaking to you and to me and to our lives individually and corporately here as church, at church, as church at the bridge. We are called to move forward, 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 forward. You are called to move forward. That is part of the process that you have to endure. I know it hurts. I know it's not comfortable. But you have to keep pushing forward. Forward. That's where God has called you. Unless we look back, we'll find ourselves stuck. Move forward with God. Amen. So eventually Nehemiah succeeds in bringing the people together and along with this man named Ezra who was high priest. And they clarified the heart of the vision that God had given them to undertake. In Nehemiah chapter 8 verses 2 and 3 it says, So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly. In other words, all the people which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. And he read it aloud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, women, and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. See, these people thought that the vision was about building a wall. But here in what we see is that the vision became completely clear. It was really about God at the center of their lives, building their lives I'm setting you up for next week, by the way, because next week we're going to end this series, and I'm telling you right now, make an appointment with God and be here. Whatever you got on your plate, cancel it. Be here. You need to hear this. Be here. God is speaking to our lives. And I'm telling you right now that the vision that God has for your life will always lead you back to God. It's not about your accolades. It's not about your success. It's not about what you accomplish. It's about what God has preordained and called you to. And it will lead you back stronger than ever to a personal thriving relationship with God. It'll reignite your heart. It'll refire your life. It'll give you vision and purpose. It'll fill you with all that God has for you. But I'm telling you, you've got to pursue the vision that God has for your life. Because while you may be pursuing a vision, what you may fail to realize is this, that what you're really pursuing is God. It will lead you back to God. Nehemiah knew that this was all about God and so it kept him centered. In this process that he was enduring, despite the challenges, despite all the naysayers, despite the resistance, despite the weakness of the people, despite the failures and everything that they endured, Nehemiah pressed forward because Nehemiah loved God above all. This vision drove Nehemiah to his knees to continually pray and seek God. That's a good vision to pursue. Let me put it to you this way. If what you're pursuing and finding fulfillment in is not leading you to God, it's not good. Nor is it God. It's not right for your life. And so for the next couple of moments that I have here, I want to talk to you about navigating the process of time. I want to give you some practical steps from God's word about this process, how to endure this waiting game, this season 
of in-between that none of us likes. And I want to start off by saying to you that you have to find the joy in the process. You have to find the joy in the process. There's joy in this process. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verses 11 through 13 says this. It says, yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. I want you to notice that everything that God ordains, everything that God creates, your life included, that everything that he creates and the vision that he has for you, it's beautiful. But here's what you got to see, that it's beautiful in its season, in its time. And when we focus in on the season, the time, the in-between time, the process of getting to where God is leading you, there's beauty in it. There's joy in it. Listen to what it goes on to say. It says, he has planted eternity in the human heart. Listen to what God has placed within you. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. Verse 12 says, so I concluded that there is nothing better than to be happy and enjoy ourselves as long as we can. Listen to what Solomon is saying. This man filled with wisdom from God. He concludes this, that there's nothing better to be happy and enjoy ourselves as long as we can. You know what he's talking about? Enjoying the process of in-between. Verse 13, he says, And people should eat and drink and enjoy the fruits of their labor, for these are gifts from God. Solomon was a man who for the most part of his life navigated through life with the wisdom of God. Now, there was a point where... Solomon deviated, and it went really bad for him. And Ecclesiastes actually is a compilation of his writings. What it really is is Solomon lamenting. If you read the last chapter of Ecclesiastes, what you'll see is that he concludes, after everything that I've examined in life, here's what's most important. Loving God, seeking God, serving God. That's his conclusion at the end. It's a very sorry book. But there's, it's seasoned with wisdom. And what we see here is that Solomon says that everything, in, everything that God creates, that it's beautiful for its time. And see, in everything that God ordains, there is beauty. And God has planted something of eternal value in you. It's the reason why we get frustrated sometimes because we don't understand it. But here's the thing, as you seek God, it becomes clearer. I didn't say you'll arrive and you'll see it all in all its, its fullness. You'll never get there. The Bible says that now we know in part, but then we'll, we'll know just as he knows us. And so as we continue to see God, we'll continue to see steps along the way. But the frustrating part is that we all want the full details. But the truth is that if we had them, we'd mess them up. We've messed them up. And so Solomon says to us, be happy and enjoy the fruit of your labor along the way. In other words, hey, enjoy the process till you get there. Enjoy the journey along the way as God's vision is materializing. And watch this, the joy, that joy will enrich the experience. It will bless you. The second thing I want to leave you with here today is that we have to realize that there is more 
than we know at work. There's more happening than you know. Genesis 8.22, I want you to really lean in on this. Really incline your ear and your heart to what I'm about to share with you. Genesis 8.22 says that as long as the earth endures seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, will never cease. Notice that according to God's grand design of all creation, the cycles of harvesting, seasons, and days will always run their natural course. Let me simplify that for you. In order to go from a seedling to a harvest, you have to go through the process of incubation, germination, and, and, and growth. In order to get to summertime, you have to go through the fall, the winter, and the spring seasons. In order to get to the dawning of a new day, you have to go through the setting of the sun and the darkness of night. And so what we see here in this very short and simple power-packed truth is this. It's that everything is created to run its natural course. And we too must run with the course of time. I believe that some of us need to hear this, that waiting time is not wasted time. The process is not wasted time. You know when it's a waste to us? When we fail to see the truth. The thing is, it's really not wasteful, but we waste it. And so the key to getting from seedling to harvest, from winter to summer, from night to day, is understanding what is happening within the principle of time. The seed here teaches us that the outer shell must die so that new life can spring forth. Listen to the words of Jesus in John chapter 12, verses 23 through 25. It says that Jesus replied, now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. You got to get what Jesus is saying here. Now is the time for the fullness, the fruition of what I have been called for is what he's saying. It's finally here. What, I've, what, I, what I was created for, what I was born to do on this, in this world, the time has come. The pinnacle, what God set me forth here for, he says, now's the time. Verse 24, he says, I tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Verse 25, those who love their life in this world will lose it. And those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Listen, the vision that God has for you is something new. It's different. It's a call to something completely beyond what you've experienced. But don't make the mistake of mixing old mindsets, old experiences, old habits, and old people. And old things with God's call. Jesus says, now's the time for me to do what I have been called to do. And then he says this, unless the kernel dies, life can't spring forth. 
Now, in, in context, Jesus here is prophesying and giving a foreshadow of what he's about to do. He's saying, listen, unless I die here, now, the fruit that God created me for can't come forth from your lives. You know, there's a valuable principle there for each and every one of us. To achieve the goal that God has for your life, something has to die. Something has to die. I can't tell you what that is, but I can assure you this. You know what it is. We all know what it is. Something has to be let go. Something has to die. See, no farmer lives on last year's harvest. He lives for the harvest that is to come. Let me encourage you with this. Look to the promise of your new life in Christ and let go of the old one. Let go of it. Don't hold on to it any longer. Our greatest growth happens in the unseen. We see that in the seed. A farmer doesn't plant a seed and go, come on, Colonel, grow. No, he plants it and he leaves it and he waters it and he nurtures it and he doesn't fret about the process because he knows that in the unseen, there's something happening. There's roots expanding and growing. There's a shell that's dying away and there's new life springing forth. There's growth as it pushes and presses against the earth that compacts against it. You know, it reminds me of this guy named Joshua. Joshua in the Bible was a man known to be a great warrior. He was courageous in the face of great opposition to what God had called Israel to, and he served faithfully beside the life and the walk of a man named Moses. This guy, Joshua, walked in the unseen. He was of such in integrity that when Moses died and there was a void in leadership, God chose him to lead his people into the land of promise. But it would seem that Joshua was chosen because he was a great warrior. Because he was always there at the side of Moses. But the, that can be, that's the furthest thing from the truth. The book of Exodus tells us that Moses would go and meet daily with God in the tabernacle. That's the most holy place. And that when Moses would go and do that, that all the people of Israel would come out of their tents and stand in front of their tents and they would face the tent where Moses was because God would speak to Moses. And they were in awe. Listen to Exodus chapter 33 verse 11. It teaches us something about our greatest growth happening in the unseen. It says that the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. And then Moses would return to the camp. And if you study this, what you'll see is that the people of Israel wouldn't go back in their tents until Moses came out of the most holy place. It says, then Moses would return to the camp. Watch this. But his young aide, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Listen closely to what was happening here. Everyone was focused on Moses 
and Moses' experience with God. Everyone was in awe of Moses and the anointing and the power that Moses had. Everyone looked to Moses. And Moses would come and go from the most holy place. But Joshua stayed there. Joshua, this great leader, developed where nobody else saw. He developed at the foot of the most holy place, and he sought God. Joshua was content with being where God was, and it produced great growth and preparation in the unseen places. Let me assure you this, that God works where nobody else sees. God works where no one else sees. You might come here and say, well, God's working on me here. No, 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 no. Your greatest growth happens in the unseen realm. It happens when it's just you and God. It happens in those moments when you're pouring out your heart to God. It happens in those moments when you're pressing into his word and you're saying, I don't understand a lick of this. It happens in those moments of frustration when you're saying, God, where are you? It happens in those moments when you're talking to your friend and you say, man, I just pray with me because I don't get this. It happens where no one else sees. God's growing you. God's growing you. See, in this unseen place, there's a process of multiplication happening as well. Matthew 13, 31 through 32 says, this is Jesus speaking, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when, it's, when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. I want to show you that the vision that God has for your life goes beyond the call to accomplish something of significance. That's a part of it. But it's really a call to bring significance into the lives of the people that are all around you. I know this, that no one comes to meet Jesus without people. Let me put it to you this way. Before you ever sought Jesus, you saw him in someone. You saw him at work in someone. Here's what I don't want you to miss. That part of this process of reaching the vision that God has for your life is taking an interest in the people around you right now. That's part of your growth. It's part of your growth. That's God's agenda, the world. And I want you to see that God, he chose you. He chose me. He chose us. It's part of the process. Don't hide your faith. Don't live incognito. 
Don't be ashamed of the power of God at work in your life. If we don't care for people all around us, if you don't take an interest in that neighbor, in that child, in those co-workers, in that person who bears out their heart and complains to you continually, and you don't take the initiative to introduce them to Jesus, to encourage them, to pray for them. Not just when they're there, but in the unseen place. And I want you to understand something, that you're missing a part of the journey. You won't get there. You won't get there. Ladies and gentlemen, you might say, well, that's not part of my character. It absolutely is. Because the one that now lives in you is Christ. And Christ loves people. Christ loves the hurting. Christ seeks the lost. Christ leaves the 99 to go after the one. Don't miss that part of the journey. There's something great that God is doing in you. So don't shy away from the opportunities to touch the lives of people because it's a part of the process of realizing the vision that God has for your life. The seasons, they teach us the process of change and to adapt. Listen, seasons bring change all around us. And like the seasons that change, we too must make changes and adapt in order to navigate them, to get to the next step. Nehemiah went through many seasons, seasons of waiting, seasons of planning, seasons of praying, seasons of beginnings, seasons of challenges, seasons of successes, seasons of failures. But through it all, Nehemiah adapted and changed, and it was always for the better. I want to read to you Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. It says, there is a time for everything. And a season for every activity under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. Notice that in every season of life, we go from something to something. We go from some place to another. See, in order to live with purpose and discover the vision that God has for your life, you have to be willing to shift, to adapt, to change, to go from where you were to where you're called to, to go from where you're at to where he's leading you. We have to be willing to change, to adapt, to endure.
Something you might not know about your pastor here is this, that I hate change. I resist it. But you know what I've learned along the way? You know why I make changes? Because I hate to change. Because I recognize that it's an area of weakness. And so when it comes to change, I make it swiftly. Instead of wasting time fighting it, I embrace it, and I roll with it. You might not know this, and I'm not going to get into details, but there was a lot of prophetic stuff going on today. And some of the things that we were doing today caught you by surprise. That's different. That's new. Well, just know that that's where we're going. I'm not even going to get into it. He who, that, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. But ladies and gentlemen, we are not done. We're just getting started. You got to adapt. You got to be willing to move with God. And lastly, Genesis 8.22 talks about the night and the day. And the night today teaches us to navigate through times of uncertainty with confidence because there is a light at the end of every tunnel. You ever feel like you're in a tunnel? You ever feel like you're trapped? You ever feel like, I don't see a way out? Listen, I'm pretty sure that each one of us has a great appreciation for the daytime. I'll tell you why. You turn on the lights at night. You go to sleep anticipating a new day. None of us wants to live in complete darkness. If we did, we'd live in the South Pole. But you see, that says a lot about our appreciation for light in our lives. And yet we all know what it is to go through seasons of darkness. We all know what it is to seek light. Listen to Psalm 113, verse 3. It tells us something about the light at the end of the tunnel. It says, from the rising of the sun to the place where it sets, watch what's always at work in between. The name of the Lord is to be praised. The name of the Lord is to be praised. Listen, as you pursue the vision that God has for your life, you will encounter times of darkness, confusion, you will have to face doubt, times where nothing makes sense. And yet, here's what we see, that in the midst of it, the name of the, of the Lord is to be praised, but let me tell you why. Because he's there. Because he's present. Listen, you might be feeling like you're in a season of in-between. For some of us, might be fighting it. We can stand here as we close out. You might be resisting it. Maybe you've been complaining about it. Maybe you've been flowing with it. Maybe you've been enjoying it. But wherever you are, I want you to hear something. That to get where God is leading you to, you've got to walk through this process. You have to endure time. 
Don't waste this season. Don't waste this moment in your life. I know it gets hard sometimes. I know you want to give up. <laughs> I've wanted to give up sometimes. But you got to remember this. That God sees the whole picture. And the process of walking through time with God is worth it. You're growing. You're stretching. You're maturing. Trust God. Trust the process. And endure the process of time. Amen. I want you to open up your heart right now as we're closing out. And I want you to just begin to center your heart and your thoughts upon God. I want you to right there where you are to talk to God. If you've been resisting this season, turn around. Get back to what's most important. Commit to God. God, I'm trusting you and I'm walking with you. I'm not going to rush things. I'm not going to try to make things happen. I'm not going to try and make your plan work. God, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to walk with you. Father, right here, right now, this moment, because every second counts, every minute counts, this is a life-defining moment because, Lord, at this moment, we're back to what's most important. We acknowledge that, Lord, you've created all things and that in everything, in every season, there's beauty. You've placed eternity in our hearts. And, Lord, with all our hearts, with all our minds, and with all our strength, we take hold of it. We're not wasting this moment, Lord. We're saying yes. We're getting back to seeking you. We're getting back to trusting you. We're getting back to enjoying every season and worshiping and praising you. Now, it's very possible that there's someone here today, or maybe you're watching online, and you haven't embraced God. You've been going through life, but you've been missing God in the midst of it. And today you realize that he's always been there with you. And you see and you know right now that, God, you're the key to finding joy, to changing and shifting and growing and living with purpose. You're realizing that God has a vision for you. Hey, if that's where you are today, then I want you to know that all you have to do is just look to God and say, I acknowledge that you love me and that because I mess things up, that's just simply called sin, that you love me so much that you gave your son to die so that he could pay the price that was mine to pay. And today I want to turn back to you and I want to start by accepting the sacrifice of Jesus for my life. And accepting that because he rose, I can rise again. Hey, if you believe that today, I want you to join us in this simple prayer. Let's pray this together. Say this with me. Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe that you love me. I believe that you died for me. And I believe that you rose again for me. And today I declare that you're my Lord and Savior. And I declare that you are my God. And from this day forward, 
I'm trusting you. I'm looking to you. I'm seeking your face. And I'm trusting you in the process. From this day forward, I believe that you're with me. And I am not alone. Hey, if you prayed that for the very first time, we celebrate Jesus in your life. We celebrate the vision that God has for your life. We want to encourage you to not leave here without telling someone what God has done in your life. We want to walk with you on this journey. Now, Father, we say thank you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your word. And thank you, Lord, that you thoroughly equip us into every good work and to endure this process. You're taking us forward with your vision for our lives. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. God bless you. Have a great week. We thank God for you. And we'll see you again next Sunday.